Well, if you will remain standing for the reading of God's Word, it's a um, happy to have John back in the pulpit serving us. John's happy to be back with you. And uh, John's going to be reading from the words that um, the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write in his sixth chapter, verses 25 through 34. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much of, are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May God add his blessing to the reading of this his word, and let us pray that he would illuminate these words to our hearts and our minds. Father God, thank you for these words. Thank you that they would jump off the page and and come alive for us. Probably it's a no-brainer that all of us understand anxiety or worry, as some of the translations have it. And so none of us is untouched by this text and what it has to say to us. Forgive us for those times when we have been engaged in anxiety and worry when we should not have been. Thank you, Father, for your role in our lives, which is a role of a sovereign God that cares and loves each one of us more than all we think or imagine. But help us today come a little closer to that understanding for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the benefit of the lives that we seek to live before you that would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It probably wouldn't surprise you to know that uh, among the prescription drugs, the leading drug is Valium, and the second and close behind is Tagamet. Some of you may be familiar with those drugs. When we go over the counter, Excedrin and Rolaids and Maalox are the top three over-the-counter drugs, and some of you may be familiar with these. Now, this isn't a sermon against people who take these drugs. Uh, It's more something that's addressed to us by the Lord through his word today that helps us not gravitate toward these drugs because 
of the ability that he has to keep us from them. But certainly some of you have some maladies that you must uh, address with these drugs at this time. And so when I think of Maalox, a smile comes to my face because I go back to 1991, the summer of 91, uh, and that's uh, when they came up with these very clever, creative commercials. You know, you're away from the house and you wonder whether you turned off the oven, those kinds of commercials. And there was a long series of them that made you stop and think. I had a wonderful little illustration uh, already prepared for you to talk about a Maalox moment in my own life. Uh, it wasn't real recent. It was in the last uh, month or so until this morning at 9 o'clock. And I decided to share this one with you. I'm coming to be with you and looking forward to it. And I come off the 520 and I'm looking to get on 95 and I cannot do that. They've got flares there and trucks and it says detour. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know who I am and where I'm going and, and how important I've, what I'm getting ready to do at 1030 today? And uh, nobody was there to hear me. And uh, I started to feel that funny little feeling in my stomach and the little funny feeling that goes up the back of your neck as I was uh, headed east. And I was thinking to myself, because I didn't see any further detour directions for at least two or three miles, thinking that they just put that one detour thing there. And I'm thinking, okay, US-1 is down there, but how long does it take to get from Coco and US-1 down to Vero? That could be a long ride. And <clears throat> then I saw a sign that said detour, and it had an arrow pointed to the right, but it didn't look like any street you'd take a detour down, and then there was another one. And then finally, there was kind of one of those uh, diamond-shaped signs, and it said this way. And so I got on Fisk Boulevard, and I started going through Coco and then Rockledge, and no signs, and then we came to 95 again, and it said straight ahead, you can't go to 95. And I'm thinking, I don't know how far Fisk Boulevard goes, this isn't my end of town. And so I kept going and going, and then uh, I saw 95 again, and cars were getting off but, and, and, and get, get on to 95, but there was no sign that said to do that. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm a good little boy, and I'm going to follow the signs, and everything's going to work out all right. And, and they all started getting on 95, and I doubled back, and I got on 95, and sure enough, I was headed south, and sure enough, I got here in time. And so that was my Maalox moment this morning, and I'm uh, glad to be here with you. Uh, Zach is always glad to see me, not because he likes me or he likes my preaching. He just knows he's going to have a Maalox moment if I don't show up. <laughs> So these Maalox moments come in a number of categories in our lives. They come in the area of finances, uh, money. Are we going to make enough money to pay the bills? Uh, am I going to get a raise? All those kinds of questions. In the area of family, uh, our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, other family members. Thanksgiving's coming up. You'll have some Maalox moments perhaps uh, as, as that comes around. And then fitness, our health, and, and how fit are we to do certain tasks in our lives. And the last major area where we have Maalox moments uh, uh, is the whole area of the future. And that's what I was concerned with this morning, the future of getting here to Christ the King. Uh, but that's, that's another uh, big area as well. And as I look at this text today, and look here with me at verse 25, uh, we're going to see uh, that uh, this whole business of anxiety... Uh, is unnecessary, it's unproductive, and it's unchristian. 
I have already had this sermon minister to me this morning, so I hope it will minister to you today. I kept saying to myself, this is unnecessary to worry about this detour thing. It's unproductive to worry about it. It's not going to get me there any quicker. And furthermore, uh, this scripture tells me it's not even Christian for me to be worried about it. And, And the scripture gives the very good reasons why. He starts in verse 25 with the word, therefore. And whenever you see the word, therefore, it's always good to ask the question, what is the word, therefore, therefore? Uh, usually, in, in a writing previous or a, a speaking previous, you're referring back to something previously said. And in 619 through 24, I believe that's uh, what Matthew was inspired to refer back to when he said, therefore. And in that section, if you were to read it, it talks about treasure. And it says, don't store up treasures here on this earth where moss, moss and, and rust can destroy and thieves can steal. Uh, but store up your treasures in heaven, and those kind of treasures are not subject to being uh, destroyed by moths and, and rust, nor uh, stolen by thieves. And then it says a very wonderful verse that I thought maybe if I come back again, I'll preach on that. Uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How true that is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then it uh, ends by saying you can't worship both God and money. Either going to hate the one and love the other, or vice versa. Uh, you can't serve two masters. So that's the therefore. And then he comes up and says, do not be anxious. And it's uh, one of three times that he says, do not be anxious in this text. And the word anxiety is mentioned uh, two other times in addition to that. And then he uh, gives us uh, some areas where anxiety is not something that uh, we should have in our lives. Uh, and more specifically, what we eat or what we drink in our bodies, uh, what we'll put on. Uh, And then uh, he uh, goes on to say uh, about uh, the birds. He uses eating as the subject, but birds as the illustration. He said, look at them. Uh, They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't gather in barns. And then he goes to, in verse 28, the lilies of the field. And he says, look at them. They don't toil or spin. And they're beautiful. I mean, not even Solomon in, in all of his glory was arrayed in the beauty of one of these lilies that God has, uh, has taken care of. And so uh, the question is, well, why then should we not be anxious given these illustrations? And the answer given us is we've got a relationship with the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with the Father. No one comes to me who comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. And we have a Father who loves us exceedingly, wonderfully well. Uh, Jesus loves me, as we sang. Uh, there was a theologian by the name of Karl Barth, and I don't agree with all of his theology, but uh, he was a brilliant man, far more brilliant than I. Um, he just uh, didn't understand things as well as I do. Um, <laughs> but he was asked, what's the most important thing in theology? And he says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I believe that. And, and we have a father who's cared for the birds. And aren't we a whole lot more valuable than the birds, the, the, the scripture says? And he cares for the lilies of the field. Aren't we a whole lot more important than the lilies of the field? If God cares for the birds and he cares for the lilies, how much more is he going to care for you and for me whom he loves? And how much more is, is he going to care in the sense of providing for us? And God is our provider. J.C. Penney made a pot of money uh, before the Great Depression. In the Great Depression, he lost most all of that money, and he himself went into a Great Depression. Matter of fact, he was institutionalized. 
And doctors couldn't seem to make any headway uh, with his depression whatsoever. He was in great anxiety and great worry. So much so that uh, one evening he felt like uh, he wasn't going to wake up the next day. He was that ill. And so he decided he was going to write to his loved ones, his family, and say goodbye to them. And he wrote these letters. The next morning, uh, quite to his surprise, he awakened, and he was still alive. And as he listened, he heard music in the distance, and he went down the hallway of this institution to the chapel where people were singing, God will take care of you. And right there and then, the Holy Spirit ministered to him and relieved him of his oppression, of his depression, of his anxiety, of his worry. And he left the place, and he went back to work as J.C. Penney and restored his fortunes under the hand of God who provided for him, and he lived to a ripe old age of 92. So worry is unnecessary. That's what that says. Next thing is it's unproductive. Look at verse 27 where it says you can't even add an hour to the span of your life. And we know from uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, verse 9, chap- uh, verse 27, uh, chapter 9, verse 27, that it's appointed for man once to die. Uh, you're not going to hurry the death process. You're not going to slow it down. It's going to happen when it's going to happen, and God is the one who's going to determine that. And so worry, anxiety is unproductive. It's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. (laughs) And someone once suggested this, and I think this is a pretty nifty little thing. I've done it on occasion when I have let anxiety get the best of me. I get a little box. Call it your worry box. And every time you get an anxiety attack or a Maalox moment or worry of some kind, write it down and put it in a box and then just forget about it. That's easier said than done, I know. And figure one day of the week is when you're going to open and worry about all those things. Okay? And open it up. And what you find is most of those things never happened. And there are a few things that uh, do happen. You have to do something about, indeed. Uh, And the fact is most don't ever happen at all. And, uh, and most of them you can't do anything about anyway. Okay? I couldn't do anything about the detour. I just had to do what I could do. And that brings us to the serenity prayer. You, some of you may have heard that from the Alcoholics Anonymous. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. It's a good prayer. And the courage to do the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's a, that's a good godly prayer, a good biblical prayer. That served Alcoholics Anonymous well. I think it will serve you well. It served me well. Just remember those things. So worry is uh, unproductive indeed. And we um, come down to the idea that worry is unchristian. Look at verse 31. Uh, here we go again with a therefore. Therefore do not be anxious, saying what uh, shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For Gentiles, and this uh, seems pretty harmless as a word, really most of the translations have pagans, for pagans seek after all those things. Now, that's not uh, a condemnation against seeking after things to eat and drink and clothing and, and that type of thing. It's the striving after them, and, and some of the translations say uh, that the, the pagans run after these things. We don't have to strive and we don't have to run after these things. We can seek these things and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But uh, then we uh, come to the next verse, uh, which is my life verse. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, Verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
I grew up in an affluent community, much like Vero Beach. It was Coral Gables, Florida. And I really didn't want for much of anything. Uh, my dad did very well. Uh, people around uh, us did very well. Uh, the kids I went to school with seemed to do pretty well. And so I thought, you know, there's a correlation between material things and happiness. And I said, I'm going to set out to get a lot of material things. The one with the most toys wins. And so I started out, went in the banking business in Atlanta, Georgia in 1963. Uh, started out at $5,500. And it just didn't seem to be enough. And I said to my wife, Linda, I said, you know, if we can make six, I think we could probably be at a comfortable place. And we got to six, and I said, you know, I think it's going to be 7500 And we got to 7500 and I said, you know, it's going to be ten. It's going to be five figures, big time. And then we got to 10, and I said, it's going to take a grand a month to, to really do it for us. We got to 12, uh, and then I said 15. 15 didn't do it. I said 18 will do it. 18 didn't do it. We got to 20, and 20 didn't do it. And I started to think about that time. I'm a, kind of a slow learner. And I said, you know, I'm not any happier at 20 than I was at 5,500. Uh, I've got more stuff, but I'm not any happier. I wonder if those people back in Coral Gables were really as happy as I thought they were. I, I don't think so. And uh, so along about that time, the Lord got a hold of my life, and he showed me that my priorities and values and attitudes uh, were not right. And uh, then I came across this verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what he says is, you got to get your priorities straight, John. Uh, the first thing you got to seek, don't run after the clothing and the cars and the houses and, and all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, seek first God. And, and his will for your life and what's right for you, determined by the scriptures. And, and these other things will fall in place as the Lord will have them fall in place for you as he deems that you need these things. And it turned my life around. It changed my life. And I don't say you have to have a life first to be a Christian. Maybe you've never heard of such a thing. Uh, it just happens to be the one focus of my world and life view uh, that I've had all of my uh, Christian life since I've been walking with the Lord for uh, roughly, I guess it's 50 years now. And it hasn't always been perfect and and hasn't always been wonderful. Uh, That's been my fault, not his. But that's been my focus. That's that's been my uh, North Star. Uh, That's been uh, the compass reading for me. And, and then he goes on to uh, talk about tomorrow. He says, therefore, and there's another therefore, and his last of the three, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's going to have enough problems of its own. Uh, don't have to worry about tomorrow uh, till tomorrow. Uh, but don't worry about them today. There was a, a circuit rider, that, uh, a Methodist circuit rider, that went uh, and preached at a lot of different uh, churches around uh, the area in Virginia. And uh, there was a notorious river called the Fox River. And uh, nobody that traveled uh, that area uh, ever knew what the Fox River was going to be like. It could be dry as a bone. You could just go right across it. Sometimes the streams would be so swollen that you had to wait until they went down or somewhere in between. So the circuit rider was coming away from the Fox River, having uh, crossed it. And uh, someone was coming in his direction and stopped uh, because it was so notorious and said, uh, well, uh, what about the Fox River? And the guy's answer was, never cross the Fox River until you get to the Fox River. So many times we're trying to cross the Fox River before we get to it. So many times we're trying to, to cross over the issues of tomorrow before it even comes. 
And what this passage uh, tells me and life experiences, for the most part, most of these things don't come to pass, and most of the others you can't control anyway, although give me the courage to accept the things I can change and do something about it. I have some responsibility in some cases for sure, but in most of these Maylock's moments that this passage tells us about, uh, it pits faith against anxiety caused by Maylock's moments. And it says that anxiety is unnecessary, it's unproductive, and it's not Christian. And what it does, does tell us is you've got a father, and I've got a father who loves us wonderfully, deeply. Would any of us question here today whether David Bounds loves Owen? I mean, would I question whether you love your children? Now, you're not perfect fathers and mothers for sure, but our father loves us, and he's totally capable beyond our abilities to provide for our own children, to provide for us perfectly. And he knows us inside and out. And, and he loves us, and, and he has provided for other things. And, and for those of you who are suffering from a little self-esteem issues and lack of self-worth, the scripture here today tells us what? You're worth a whole lot more than some of the other things he provides well for. And you're far more important than some of the other things he provides for. I hope you hear that today. Sound a little like Joel Olstein this morning, but uh, uh, that's biblical. Uh, that's good news. Father loves you. Don't forget it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the joy that we have to be yours, to be your sons and daughters. Thank you, Father for providing for us as you have. Forgive us for not having thanked you more often for your provision than what we have. Help us to trust in you more than we do in Maylocks. Thank you, Father, as we learn to trust in you more and understand how important and valuable we are to you and how much you love us and how capable you are providing for us. We will trust you more than the drugs over the counter or those prescribed. And we'll find that our lives, our bodies, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, are all taken care of wonderfully as we seek you first and foremost in our lives. Forgive us for not having done that. Forgive us for not having learned our lesson that when we haven't done that, things haven't gone well. When we have done that, things have gone wonderfully well. Thank you, Father, for being there for us. Thank you, Father, for being our Father, our everlasting Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen.